from the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you on this beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous May 7th. My, is it the 7th or the 6th? <laughs> 7th. I think it's the 7th, right? Yeah, because Cinco de Mayo was Tuesday. So the 7th. 7th of May. And uh, if, uh, my goodness, you have to get outside and, and, and get some of that fresh air. You know, don't stay inside. Get out there. And uh, enjoy the beautiful day the Lord has blessed us with, because I guess after today, eh, maybe a little, you know, weather a little iffy. But today is a beautiful day, so beautiful a day it was that I was inspired to mow our lawn here today outside when I got here. Um, I take my little tractor there and drive it around the property and did some mowing and uh, got a little sun, beautiful day. So anyway, I hope you're, you're hoping you're enjoying it. Today, of course, is Thursday. It is Catechism Day, and what I will do a little later on is go to the Catechism of the, of the Catholic Church. Um, Article 11, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Yesterday, we were sharing with you some visions that some of our great brother and sister saints had of heaven while they were still here on earth, but we know that our belief in the resurrection of the body is a tenet of our faith, and we we certainly want to... Uh, Look forward to that day, and so we'll go to the Catechism uh, today, beginning with paragraph 988, in case you want to follow along. Uh, Also, Holy Father yesterday gave a homily yesterday morning, Um, and let me get to the right page here. Where'd it go? It disappeared. I had it here a second ago. Oh, no, here it is. The Holy Father warned against spiritual mafias that blind the soul to God. Spiritual mafias. We'll hear what Pope Francis has to say about that. Before we do that, though, my brothers and sisters, we are going to pray. And as always, we go together. And as the people of God, brothers and sisters in the Lord, mystical body of Christ, from across so many thousands of miles. And uh, again, you know, I can only share with you just the awe that I have, having been doing this now uh, for 25 years, thinking way, way back to the very, very beginning when I was buying time on that uh, station down in Camden, New Jersey. And uh, the only way to hear the program was to listen to the radio. That was it. You had to listen to the radio. And if people wanted a copy of the program, which sometimes they would request, we'd have to put it on cassette tapes and send it out to them. But here we are so many years later, early, I guess a generation, right, 25 years, a generation later, and with all the technology available to us, using it to bring the light of Christ out into so many parts of the world, heeding our Lord's great commission before he ascended into heaven to go into the world and bring the good news. And We're able to do this, my brothers and sisters, because of you. And again, thank you to all of you who are responding uh, to my requests uh, for support this month of May, the month of Our Lady, 
an anniversary month for Domestic Church Media. On uh, the 5th of this month, we celebrated our 17th anniversary of incorporation. And uh, so many of you now, I, I, I did stop at the post office today. I was only doing that once a week. But you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go and get the mail. I, well, I, I don't want to fall prey to the fears of the world here and go to the post, get the mail. And, and again, so many of you, thank you so very much for supporting this work, and uh, both online and by mail. Uh, so we're able to heed our Lord's great commission and go out into the world because of you, because of your enormous generosity. Um, so thank you for that. And, and, and again, you know, because we are able to go around the world uh, through all of these various audio and video platforms that we use, we have a wonderful worldwide family praying with each other and for each other. So raise up those special prayer intentions now, my brothers and sisters, whatever they are. Um, pray for our world. You know, it's a, such a beautiful, gorgeous day out today here on the East Coast. And um, it, it's, it's, it's hard to make the connection that there's so much darkness in the world, that there's so much corruption in the world and dissension in the world and division in the world. Yet here we are on this beautiful day. I was, as I said, I was out earlier today mowing our property here, and we have a lot of property. It takes a while just to do around our building. I didn't get to the other 20-some acres out by the radio towers. That's going to take a while because uh, it's kind of a swamp, and when it, <laughs> I have to wait uh, for it to dry up a little bit. Otherwise, I'll be stuck out there, and no one will ever find me. I'll be out in the, in the, in the bog. And people won't know there'll be dead air at 4 o'clock if I did that. So I, I just did around the house. Um, but just a gorgeous day. And it's hard to believe that there's so much um, anxiety and, and fear and all that we're experiencing. So, But we, we take all this now together as brothers and sisters. We bring it to the Lord. Uh, and I invite you, again, whatever your special intentions are, to raise them up together as family uh, remembering, as I've been asking you to do, and we need to pray for our president, all of our leaders, of course, but we need to pray for our president, uh, who is really taking the burden of all of this upon his shoulders. It all comes back to him. You know, the leader always is the one in the end who, uh, upon whose shoulders it rests. So we pray for President Trump, uh, and I'm going to invite you again, my friends, to please pray for our dear young friend Maria. Uh, suffering from that tumor on her brainstem. We're, we're praying for this miracle. We're, we're waiting for the manifestation of this miracle. Uh, Maria is in a very um, uh, critical stage in that she's paralyzed, incapacitated, um, and, and suffering, as, as are her parents and her entire family. So we, we, we again, let's do this. We do it every day now. We, we Together, as, as the children of, of God and the brothers and sisters in the Lord, we go and we can spiritually lift Maria and, and take her and carry her to the, the arms of our Blessed Mother, asking Our Lady to embrace her, wrap her beautiful blue mantle around Maria, and then take her to her son, as she did at Cana of Galilee, to request the miracle. So let's do that. Let's do that with faith and trust and believe and, and knowing that if it be God's will, this—it's—it's it's a piece of cake for God. You know, there's, there's no, there's no. Uh, all He has to do is will it. If it be His will, we pray it is. And we pray that in her suffering, we know we've seen and we've understood there to be multiple miracles 
in the wake of Maria's suffering, uh, people who have returned to the church, people who have converted, people who have come back uh, to prayer, uh, people who have been inspired to pray and, and inspire others, not just in this immediate area, but around the world. So there are miracles, uh, multiple miracles, as a result of this uh, dear young woman's suffering. But now we ask the Lord to to have the and uh, the, the the most extraordinary miracle, uh, and that is for Maria to be completely cured and healed. And He can do it. He can do it just by willing it. So we do that now in our prayer as well. We're praying the prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis gave us to pray this month, the month of May. And he asked the faithful, first of all, to pray the rosary every day in your home. You know, we're all confined to our homes. Hopefully that won't last much longer. But while we are confined to our domestic churches, Holy Father has asked us to pray. Even if when the, hopefully the lockdown ends, we're still praying the rosary in our home, uh, I pray. Holy Father has asked the faithful to do that. And he's also asked us to pray this prayer at the end of the rosary. Now, I've posted it on our Facebook page. No, I'm sorry, on our website, um, the Holy Father's Prayer. This is posted now on our website under prayer. So let's begin, my friends, as we begin all good things. That is, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God. In the present tragic situation... When the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety, we fly to you, Mother of God, and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes towards us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died, and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones who are sick and who in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son, as you did at Cana, so that the families of the sick amid the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect the doctors, nurses, health workers, and volunteers who are on the front line of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick day and night and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research, that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders, that with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life, and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Mary, most holy, stir our consciences so that 
The enormous funds invested in developing and stockpiling arms will instead be spent on promoting effective research on how to prevent similar tragedies from occurring in the future. Beloved Mother, help us to realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that, in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need. Make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Amen. And as our Holy Father asked, uh, we pray the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the Subtum Presidium prayer, this beautiful ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, praying to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O Blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, as always, I thank you for praying on this beautiful, glorious May 7th. And, oh, my goodness, wouldn't it be beautiful if every day was like this day uh, in the, throughout this month of May? Um, but, uh, you know, here in our part of the country, we don't get that consistency. Uh, we have the wonderful variation of uh, weather that comes our way. In fact, we've been seeing a few snowflakes perhaps this weekend. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. But, hey, listen, don't worry about it. God's in charge, and we have nothing to fear. And uh, we just place all of our trust in the Lord and uh, live our lives a day at a time. You know, for, with every day that passes, we're one day closer to being with Jesus. I mean, doesn't get any better than that, right? Uh, all these um, poor souls that are suffering at the hands of this uh, pandemic, both physically from actually contracting the virus, but also all of the other people, I'm sure many of you included, who have been furloughed or been laid off, lost your job, um, suffering you know, economically, financially, uh, people at home, they say, you know, people are getting, getting stir crazy. You got to get out. You know, today's a day, go out for a walk, you can go out and enjoy the fresh air, um, you know, follow the guidelines. We always say that, whatever those guidelines are today, because they sometimes change. But follow them, and in the meantime, enjoy the day. God has blessed us with a beautiful May day today, and so uh, you got to get out and enjoy it. Um, so let's do this. Holy Father uh, yesterday gave a homily, his morning homily, and I, they're televising these homilies, you know, daily. EWTN has them on. Um, one night, I guess last week, I woke up around 
3.30, I guess. Uh, I don't know why, but I woke up around 3.30 and just couldn't get back to sleep. So I, I, I clicked on EWTN on my phone just to see what was happening there. And, and there was the Holy Father celebrating Mass from the Casa Santa Marta. Uh, so these Masses are being streamed live. Um, and you can watch them if you want to get up that early. But yesterday, uh, Holy Father Pope Francis warned against spiritual mafias that blind the soul to God. Let's see what Holy Father had to say yesterday. Um, He played on the image of light and darkness, warning against sin proliferated by spiritual and domestic mafias, he said. And he urged us to have the courage to walk in the light of Christ. The Holy Father focused on yesterday's gospel passage from John, which Jesus says, I came into the world as light so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And today's a great day to really meditate on that light because it's such a beautiful, bright, sunlit day. In fact, this morning... Uh, Cheryl was up. She gets up a little earlier than I now because she has to be up at uh, St. Magdalene's for 8 o'clock Mass, and that's about a 45-minute drive from our home, so she has to prepare for that. But um, I was awake at the same time, and she said, what are you doing awake? I said, it's so bright in here. (laughs) The sun sun was coming through. Uh, The the blinds were open, I guess. We forgot to close the blinds. It was just beautiful, bright, sunlit morning and day. And we think about the light of Christ and just the beauty of that. And Holy Father reflected on that yesterday because Jesus in yesterday's gospel said, I I came into the world as light so that everyone who believes in me might uh, not remain in darkness. And Pope Francis said, the drama of sin is that it blinds us. We cannot tolerate the light. We have eyes that are sick And he quoted from Matthew's gospel. He said that if the eye is sick, then the whole body is sick. If your eye sees darkness, how much darkness there is inside of you. The conversion to pass from darkness to light. And, you know, we have this, uh, again, uh, tendency because of our, uh, the sin of our first parents and our concupiscence, our leaning, our tending towards sin, to gravitate unfortunately, uh, lean at least to toward the darkness. There's a lot of darkness in the world today. You know, all you have to do is watch the news and see all the horrible things that are going on, that have gone on, uh, deception, deceit, corruption, division. And then, of course, all the, just go down the Ten Commandments. I mean, they're being, you know, broken every day by so many people, and, and a lot of it's on the news um, it's the darkness. You know, tomorrow, I, I will tell you, while we're talking about darkness, <laughs> tomorrow um, we have, uh, Cheryl and I, with, on Friday Live, we have two guests joining us. Father Dwight uh, Longenecker uh, has written a book called Immortal Combat. And then also Michael Lickens, uh, who is going to talk about another book that uh, um, highlights the work of the late Father Gabriel Amorth, the world-famous exorcist, and the book is called The Devil is Afraid of Me. So we're going to talk about uh, how to overcome that darkness tomorrow with our two guests. Uh, But it's out there. But Jesus told us that I am the light. I I came into the world so that you don't remain in that darkness. 
And Holy Father referred to this drama of sin. He said that blinds us, that blinds us. And then Pope Francis questioned, saying, what are the things that make the eyes sick, the eyes of faith? What are the things that bring them down, that blind them? And then he said, the vices, the worldly spirit, pride, vices uh, that pull one down. These things, Holy Father said, lead a person to associate with others living in the same cycle of sin and vice. And they end up entombed in the darkness. You know, on a day like today, you see this. I was, I guess in... in, um, I can't remember if it was my night prayer yesterday or yesterday's evening prayer. Um, in, in the Psalms that we were praying, it was saying how with God, you know, we won't need light. We won't need the sun, S-U-N. You know, when we're, when we're with God in heaven, we won't need the S-U-N for, for light because God himself will be the light. And there won't be any darkness. Did you ever stop to think about that? You know, like... What will that be like, just to be in the presence of this eternal light who is God? And there is no darkness. There is no sin. There are no vices. You know, there will be no vices. Uh, this, is, this is our ultimate destiny, for which, that for which God created us. And the Holy Father said, but here on earth... It's a constant struggle. It's a constant battle. We're always struggling against vices. We're always struggling against the, the spirit of the world, pride, the, 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 the Luciferian sin, you know, the, the sin that, that, that caused Satan and his uh, cohorts to be cast out of heaven, a third of them. I will not serve the sin of pride. These things, then, Holy Father said, then will cause a person to associate with others who live in that same cycle of sin. And we have to be careful. You know, it's like this vortex going down. You get swept up and people get sucked into it, and it's so difficult for them to get out of it. Holy Father said, we often speak of the mafia. Of course, in Italy, uh, the mafia is very powerful in certain parts, especially uh, down in Sicily, uh, Holy Father said, "But here are spirit, but there uh, here are spiritual mafias, domestic mafias, always looking for someone else to cover them, and to remain in darkness." And he said that it's not easy to live in the light. The light makes us see many ugly things in ourselves that we don't want to see: vices, sins. You know, in, in the they say that. At our particular judgment, that you know, we 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 know the church teaches that it's not God who sends someone to hell; it's the soul, him or herself, who makes that choice because the soul is is sees in the light of God its own state, in a sense. And many, many years ago, uh, I used to, you know, I used to sing in clubs. And, and uh, they, I would say B.C. before Cheryl because I had a piano player before Cheryl. Um, 
and his name was Rich, and we used to hang out. You know, he was a wonderful piano player, uh, and uh, we, we played together for about five or six years, I guess, and, and uh, you know, we would play four or five hours a night at this particular place a couple nights on, on the weekends, Friday, Saturday night, and then after that we'd go out, you know, get breakfast or something, but it was always in the dark. You're in, a, you're in a club with low lights, you know, you're at the bar with low lights, and there were the regulars. It was like cheers because the same people sat in the same seats every night for years. It's funny. But once a year, one of the patrons at this loca- this uh, uh, establishment at which we performed uh, would have a 4th of July party and would invite, the, you know, the workers, of which we were two, and uh, some of the other patrons, and so we'd always go, and uh, they, they would always say when we'd see some of these people who would sit at the bar every Friday and Saturday night, and you'd you'd sit next to them and talk to them, but the lights were low. <laughs> but at the Fourth of July party, the party would start mid mid afternoon, so the sun would be out; it'd be light, and you'd see these people in the light. <laughs> and, and the running gag among my friend and I was, did you ever did you see so and so in the sunlight? It doesn't look like that, you know, you, because we see imperfections in that light. We see, you know, all of a sudden, you know, low light is good. I suppose in some ways, in in for vanity's sake, but that's what Holy Father is saying here. That you know, we 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 we, we talk about these domestic mafias that want to stay in the darkness. He said, it's not easy to live in the light because the light makes us see many ugly things in ourself. In that reflection that we see in in the light of God, you know, and we think about the confessional. The confessional is a dark place, light-wise, right, because it's no light in the, you know, but really it's 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 a place of light because it's where we are in making our own examination of conscience and admitting our own faults, we're, we're, we're casting light on our imperfections, our sins. And that's what that is. Um, Holy Father said, let us think about our vices. Let us think about our pride. Let us think about our worldly spirit in us. These things blind us. They draw us away from the light of Christ. And we have to be careful in that, you know, we can easily fall into the darkness. It's easy to easier to be in the darkness, Holy Father said, because in the light we see our we see our imperfections. We're forced to look at the ugliness, so to speak, of our sins. And our sins are ugly, no matter how venial they may be. Uh, sin is ugly because it offends God. And the light of Christ and the light of truth force us in casting that light on us to see our own imperfections, to see the ugliness of our sins, to see our failings, which because of human pride, which is in itself a sin, and because of of, of our human nature, it's tough to acknowledge and admit, and that's the beauty of the sacrament of confession, is that it calls us to do just that, to bring out into the light the darkness of our sins in and to the priest who is in persona Christi, Christ himself, the person of Christ. As if we were kneeling there 
or sitting there if you're doing it face-to-face with Jesus himself. Imagine that. And we mustn't be afraid of that. In fact, we should welcome that. Like the good thief on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To be, even if it has to be at that last moment of our existence here on this earth, our last breath that we take to be able to utter those words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To cast a light on our, on our sins, to seek forgiveness, to, to go before the Lord with a repentant heart, a contrite heart, and to make that wonderful, firm purpose of amendment that we will not sin again. We don't want to sin again. We don't want to offend God. That light of truth, that light of Christ, who is the light of the world, cast upon us to allow ourselves to see our sins and our imperfections, to be sorry for them, to ask for his mercy, and to accept his great mercy poured out upon us, especially in the sacrament, so that we will be able to enter in to that light, pure and 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 uh, so so, and we're going to talk about it when we come back from our break because we're going to talk about the resurrection of the body, which is obviously something that every one of us is looking forward to or should be looking forward to eventually, <laughs> because we are going to leave this world. And you know we hear a lot about death these days. You see the death numbers being scrolled on all the news accounts and all that stuff. For the poor souls who are dying, although they're saying many of these people that are that are being attributed with with, with the uh, coronavirus are not really dying of the virus or from the virus. So anyway, we're going to talk about that in a second uh, when we come back. So stay where you are, my friends. More to come on Come to Me. Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to 
Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. God created each one of us, but he had in mind, regardless of how we look from childhood to old age, we change physically, but we don't change in his mind. Why? Because God has a specific degree of union with him, holiness, we call it, for every one of you. And it's all different. They were all different. And we are called to be different because it glorifies God. He just doesn't make robots. Now, why you say, well, why are some holier than others? Well, that's your fault. (laughs) That's not his fault. If we accept the good, the bad, and indifferent of every day, every day, we'll all be holy in a different way. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Bristol to Browns Mills. Shrewsbury to Solbury. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. From Lawrenceville to Leonardo. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, my friends. In just a moment, we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yesterday, someone texted me. I'm just reading my text from yesterday. I'm a little behind. (laughs) But uh, I think all governors should pledge not to get their hair cut until salons are open for everybody. I think think people are are up to here with it. Um, Certainly, you're going to, you know, follow what they're saying, but I... I don't know. There seems to be a lot of confusion out there about the severity. Uh, yesterday I saw uh, there was a, a memo, not a memo, it was a note, a letter from one of the state representatives in Pennsylvania. I think the, the uh, anyway, who said that the health commissioner <laughs> in Pennsylvania um, said that half 
of the deaths that have been attributed to coronavirus in Pennsylvania were in nursing homes. Half of them. Half of them. So I don't know. It just it just seems like we're getting a lot of mixed information. But follow the guidelines. Um and these these orders from governors <laughs> and mandates. I don't know. People are people are I think are starting to say, wait a minute, what's what's going on here? Anyway, let's not talk about that stuff. Let's talk about Jesus. That's the most important thing. Uh, before we get to the catechism, though, I do want to uh, share with you again. Thank you to all of you who continue to come through for us <laughs> to support us. As you know, we didn't have our spring radiothon. We have postponed it. We have not set a rescheduled date. Um, we were waiting to see how things transpired. But, you know, here in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, um, probably the last segment of the country that's going to open. Uh, so we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to jump into it too fast. So we're going to we'll just play it by ear. But in the meantime, because we count on that Radiothon every year as our major fundraiser of the year, and the funds raised at the Radiothon, usually in March or April, carry us through the summer into the fall. But without that Radiothon, our bills still come in, and we just need to put the word out there. I have to cast the net. I don't like, you know, as I always say, and I've said it for 25 years, this is the worst part of my job is asking for support. But I have to, as a steward, main steward over the apostolate, share with you that what our needs are, because one day I have to give an account to God. He's going to hold me accountable for this. He's going to, if I say, Lord, we didn't get, you know, the support we needed and we had a shutdown, he's going to say, well, did you ask them? <laughs> so I have to ask, or at least let you know. It does cost us $25,000 a month to operate the entire apostolate. $25,000 a month to operate the entire apostolate, all four stations, all of our media, all of our insurance costs and phones and Internet and all everything that goes along with it. Um, last month, we did fall short by about $3,500. Tuesday, this two days ago, was Giving Tuesday, the anniversary of Domestic Church Media's incorporation, the 17th anniversary. You, brothers and sisters, came through in a big way. Uh, on Tuesday alone, donated $3,200, which pretty much covered the shortfall in April. But now we have to work during this month of May, hoping that by the end of the month, we will have raised at least $25,000 to take us and cover our expenses for May. And then we'll try to do it a month at a time. How about that? We'll get into June, July, and August, which are traditionally not good months. But I I, I, I trust in you. I, I believe that you—domestic you, you uh, domestic church media has the best family uh, of supporters. I got to tell you, you know, our engineer here, Nick, who— um, He's he's a, a independent contractor, so he he covers many radio stations in, in New Jersey, um, and some nonprofit, other Christian stations and things. But every year, especially at the radiothon, I always says he goes, "You guys have the best best people, because you always open your hearts to us whenever my whenever I put the ask out." So anyway, let's just let's let's just pray about that as we go forward through May. I'll keep you posted where we are. Um, and what our needs are, but we're hoping that we can cover the entire $25,000 nut that is May. And, and, you know, we do that, we pay our bills in May, and then we go to June. Just take it a month at a time, right? Try it that way. How about that? But I will keep you posted, I promise. 
Uh, and tomorrow, as I said, Friday Live at 4 o'clock, Cheryl will be here with me. And uh, we have lined up some interesting guests. We're going to talk to, and you probably know, Father Dwight Longnecker. Longnecker. Uh, he has a new book out called Immortal Combat, The Spiritual Battle. Uh, also tomorrow, Michael Lichens, and he's going to be talking about another book that has just been published highlighting the work of Father Gabriel Amorth, who was uh, since deceased, but a world-famous exorcist. And uh, the book is called The Devil is Afraid of Me. It's a quote from Father Amorth, so he'll be here. Of course, music, talk. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune. Jim will be here with the weather. And also tomorrow, uh, because last week there was a, a, a scheduling conflict with uh, one of our wonderful brothers in arm hosts, uh, Bill and George, we had to put a repeat on, but, uh, you know, they want to do the program. So tomorrow, uh, although it's not first Friday, Bill and George will be here tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock with a brand new edition of Brothers in Arms. And I do believe that Father Jeff Kegley, the pastor of Mary, Mother of God Church over in Middletown, is going to be their guest. So uh, Father Jeff is a wonderful, wonderful priest, a great, great spiritual sense so it'll be interesting to see what Father Jeff has to say about all that's going on out there. So a lot of tomorrow, uh, Friday Live, uh, Brothers in Arms, a lot of talk about the spiritual battles that we find ourselves in. So you stay right where you are. Keep your dial right here. Let us go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, since it is Thursday. And we're going to go to Article 11 of the Catechism, beginning with Paragraph 988, I believe in the resurrection of the body. This is the part of the catechism that breaks down our creed. And if you've never read it or studied it, or you should. You know, we pray the creed every Sunday. We profess our faith. And the catechism of the Catholic Church does a wonderful, outstanding, excellent job of breaking down the creed and just expanding on it. In its, in, in its teaching. So if you haven't done that in a while or have never done it, I highly recommend, you know, we're spending a lot of time at home, get out that catechism. Get out the catechism and start reading it. It's, you don't have to do it all in one, you know, it's a big, big volume of, of information. Do what we do here, you know, for the next 20 minutes. Just break it down. Take a little bit at a time, little bites, uh, you know, and, and just kind of meditate on it. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. So this is beginning with paragraph 988, I believe in the resurrection of the body, where our catechism says, the Christian creed, the profession of our faith in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in God's creative, saving, and sanctifying action, culminates in the proclamation of the resurrection of the dead on the last day and in life everlasting. The paragraph says, we firmly believe, and hence we hope that just as Christ is truly risen from the dead and lives forever, so after death, the righteous will live forever with the risen Christ, and he will raise them up on the last day. Our resurrection, like his own, will be the work of the Most Holy Trinity. Our resurrection. On the last day, my brothers and sisters, our bodies will be resurrected. The work of the Most Holy Trinity. And the Catechism says that the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead 
dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in you. In paragraph 990 in our catechism says, the term flesh refers to man in his state of weakness and mortality. We don't like to think about it, but our bodies are dying. You know, and and when our soul eventually one day leaves our body, our bodies become lifeless. We've all been, most of us been to anyway, uh, if not all, have been to wakes where we've seen the body of a friend or loved one laid out, lifeless, no life in it. The undertakers have done, or they call them funeral workers now, what do they call them now? Under, undertakers, morticians, <laughs> have done their thing. They've fixed the body up, they've embalmed, they've, they've done all the, the, the makeup and everything else and got the body to look somewhat natural. doesn't always look that natural. I mean, Mother Angelica would say, and I noticed this at her wake, you know, we, because her and I were so blessed to be able to be there the night before, as well as her funeral. Um, but during her program, Mother Angelica would make, a, make light of, she said, you know what? She goes, I don't know why people, when they're laid out, have their glasses on. <laughs> you know, they would, put, they would put the eyeglasses on the dead body. Mother would say, why would, why would you do that? The body's dead. They can't, they don't need the glasses anymore. And, you know, Mother always wore glasses, and when she was laid out, she didn't have glasses on. But that's what was left of Mother. That's what's left of, of, the, of the person. Of course, we, 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 we venerate the lifeless body because it was, at one time, a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we treat the dead body with such reverence because it was a, a temple of the Holy Spirit when that soul walked the earth. But the soul is gone. The soul has gone to, to God. The life has, has left that body. The body's left lifeless. And so we have these mortal bodies. And when the catechism refers to flesh, the flesh of man, it's referring to this state of weakness and mortality. And then the Catechism teaches the resurrection of the flesh, the literal formulation of the Apostles' Creed, means not only that the immortal soul will live on after death, but that even our mortal body will come to life again. Think about that. <laughs> Think about the body you have right now. You know, the soul, I always like to think of, this, of the soul, the, the, the fact and the reality of it, it's true. The soul is ageless. There's no age to the soul. The soul is immortal. <laughs> That's why I think so many of us, as we get older, we still think we can do things that we can't do anymore because we're bound by a mortal body. Our soul is immortal from the time Almighty God infuses it into us at the moment of our conception, it's the same age that never ages. The body ages. And we think, you know, our, our soul, you know, it thinks it can do certain things, I guess, sometimes. Our spirit thinks we can do certain things the way we used to and we can't anymore. We, we, body's limiting us. But one day, as the Catechism says, our mortal body will come to life again. 
Paragraph 991 says, Belief in the resurrection of the dead has been an essential element of the Christian faith from the uh, the beginning. The confidence of Christians is the resurrection of the dead, believing that that this, um, sorry, believing this we live. How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But in the fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus lives. Jesus was resurrected. And we too, my brothers and sisters, will be resurrected. And we may say, but you know, the body's been in the ground for hundreds of years. It's nothing but dust. Well, God can recreate it on the last day and reunite our bodies with our immortal souls. So we are once again as God created us to be, body and soul. In paragraph 992, our catechism says, God revealed the resurrection of the dead to his people progressively. Hope in the bodily resurrection of the dead established itself as a consequence intrinsic to faith in God as creator of the whole man, soul and body. The creator of heaven and earth is also the one who faithfully maintains his covenant with Abraham and his posterity. It was in this double perspective that faith in the resurrection came to be expressed in their trials, the Maccabee, uh, Maccabean martyrs confessed, the king of the universe will raise us up to an everlasting renewal of life because we have died for his laws. One cannot but choose to die at the hands of men and to cherish the hope that God gives of being raised again by him. Jesus links faith in the resurrection to his own person. Remember, Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. And our catechism says, it is Jesus himself who on the last day will raise up those who have believed in him, who have eaten his body and drunk his blood. Already now in this present life, he gives a sign and pledge of this by restoring some of the dead to life, announcing thereby his own resurrection, though it was Uh, to be of another order. He speaks of this unique event as the sign of Jonah, the sign of the temple. He announces that he will uh, be put to death, but rise thereafter on the third day. And our catechism says, to be a witness to Christ is to be a witness to resurrection. To have eaten and drunk with him after he rose from the dead, Encounters with the risen Christ characterize the Christian hope of resurrection. We shall rise like Christ with him and through him. This is going to happen. It's not a a supposition or a theory. This is a fact that this will happen to each and every one of us who believe. And the Catechism says it is very commonly accepted that the life of the human person continues in a spiritual fashion after death. But how can we believe that this body, so clearly mortal, <clears throat> could rise to everlasting life? So it's, it's easy to believe, I should say easier, to believe that the spirit, the soul, lives on. We see the lifeless body, so we know the soul has left it, <clears throat> But how can we believe, the Catechism poses the question in paragraph 996, 
how can we believe that this body, so clearly mortal, that we put into a casket, close the top, put it six feet under, and bury it, could rise to everlasting life? In paragraph 997, the Catechism says, What is rising in death? The separation of the soul from the body. The human body decays, and the soul goes to meet God while awaiting its reunion with its glorified body. God, in his almighty power, will definitively grant incorruptible life to our bodies by reuniting them with our souls through the power of Jesus' resurrection. So this is going to happen. God will recreate our body, though it may have turned to dust and been under the ground for hundreds of years God will recreate the body into a glorified state, reunited with our immortal soul. So we are once again, as God originally created us, body and soul. Paragraph 998 says, well, who will rise? Who will rise? And the uh, Catechism says, all the dead will rise. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So everybody will rise. And those who have done good will rise to the resurrection of life with God forever. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Paragraph 999 says, how? (laughs) How can this happen? So the Catechism is asking the question and answering its own questions. Christ is raised with his own body. Then, quote, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. But he did not return to an earthly life. So in him, all of them will rise again with their own bodies, which they now bear. But Christ will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body into a spiritual body. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? This is paragraph 999. With what kind of body do they come? And then uh, this must be a quote, and I, I can't read the footnote, but it says, you foolish man, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body, which is to be, but a bare kernel. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. The dead will be raised imperishable. For the perishable nature must put on the imperishable, and the mortal nature must put on immortality. And so, in paragraph 1000 of our catechism, this how exceeds our imagination and understanding. That's why it's so difficult, beyond our, our mortal understanding. It is accessible only to faith. Yet, our participation in the Eucharist already gives us a foretaste of Christ's transfiguration of our bodies. So Christ is going to transfigure our bodies. Just as bread that comes from the earth after God's blessing has been invoked upon it is no longer ordinary bread, but Eucharist formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly, so our bodies which partake in the Eucharist are no longer corruptible, but possess the hope of resurrection. And then the Catechism says in paragraph 1001, 
When is this resurrection going to take place? We know at the moment of our, our mortal death, our soul will go to God, but our body will be left lifeless. So when will the body be raised? And paragraph 1001 says definitively on that last day, at the end of the world. Indeed, the resurrection of the dead is closely associated with uh, Christ's parousia. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the archangels call and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will first uh, arise first. Christ will raise up on the last day, raise us up on the last day, but it is also true that in a certain way we have already risen with Christ, for by virtue of the Holy Spirit, Christian life is already now on earth a participation in the death and resurrection of Christ. So on that last day, Jesus will raise us up. And it's it's beyond it. The cat is very, very honest about this. It's it's way beyond our imagination or understanding. But it's not a theory. It's not just a possibility. It's a fact, a reality. It's going to happen. And we believe that. Every time we profess our faith, I believe in the resurrection of the body, we're professing that. So we have to believe that. My brothers and sisters, I see my time is up here, so I have to head on out. Uh, join Cheryl and me tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Great program tomorrow. Some great guest music and talk. Of course, Jim will be here with the weather. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. Get outside and enjoy the day, please. I'll be with you again tomorrow, God willing. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.